0: Let's pray before we look at the word together. In particular, let's pray for the tragic situation going on in Afghanistan right now. Let's pray. Father, you see the desperation in this country, the desperate situation, Lord, for Americans, for people from other countries, from Afghans. You see, Lord, those who are crying out. So we're asking for mercy, Lord. We're asking, Lord, for you to also bring a revelation of Jesus to people who don't know him. We pray that you turn this situation into a situation where there's some hope, there's a way out. We pray for wisdom for our leaders, Lord, in this country, that they would know what's right to do next and do it. Pray for the resolve to do what is right in the name of Jesus. Lord, also, we pray, just like you appeared to the to Saul of Tarsus who was persecuting the church. You appeared and then you appointed him who becomes the Apostle Paul. We're asking you today in the name of Jesus, Father, for there to be that kind of revelation of Jesus. Jesus, would you appear and appoint some of these Taliban leaders to be apostles to their own people? For Jesus' sake, we pray that you'd enter in now and turn this whole thing around. Lord, this has not caught you by surprise. Lord, you are going to orchestrate things now for your purposes. And we ask you, Lord, that you would have great mercy and release great revelation. And there would be just a great harvest come through all this in the name of Jesus. We also pray you'd speak to us now your word, Lord, that we would be those that you can use in these days in powerful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So there was this guy, and he was the world champion chess player. Well, another past champion chess player invited him for lunch. So the two of them met at a restaurant for lunch, and they just happened to be seated on a table with a checkered tablecloth. It took them over an hour to pass the salt and pepper back to each other. (laughs) Sometimes we overcomplicate things. I think evangelism is one of those things that's like that. We've made something that really is very simple. I think very, very complicated, way too complicated. So today I want to share just how simple it really is and, and share it in a way that's easy to understand, easy to remember, and actually easy to do. And before we get into that, I want you to watch this one-minute video introducing us to understanding why I have this acrostic set up in front here. Let's watch this.
1: Hi, my name is Dave Ferguson. I'm really excited to tell you about a brand new book from my brother John and I called Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change Your World. And if you're like me, you're someone whose life was changed by the love of God and the life of Jesus, and you wanted to share it with others. And maybe you tried things like I did. I went to a program where they trained me in how to present the gospel. It was well-intentioned, but it was time-consuming, relationally awkward, and just way too complicated. I tried other things, I tried street evangelism, I tried outreach events, I tried being a digital missionary, all kinds of things I tried. And finally, it drove me back to the Bible and the life of Jesus. And here's what I discovered about the life of Jesus. There were some simple practices that he did that just kind of flowed out of his everyday life. We took those simple practices and we put them into an acrostic that spelled the word bless, B-L-E-S-S. And these are five everyday ways that you can love your neighbor and maybe even change the world. I'd encourage you, check out our book. We'd love to have you use those to love your neighbor and change the world.
0: And that book right here is uh, the book he's talking about. It's a book that I've asked all of our staff to read, all of our elders uh, to read. And, I, and I, it would be my desire to see every one of you also read it. It's, easy. it's, a, it's a cheap book to get and to read it. But uh, what it talks about is something I want to summarize today because I found it very, very helpful, uh, a helpful way that every Christian can really get themselves involved in being followers who are also fishers. Remember last week we talked about the fact that Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And so the question must arise in our minds, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then why am I not fishing? Well, I think one of the reasons a lot of followers aren't fishing is because they haven't been really shown the simple method that we see Jesus not only do, but also we see Jesus teach the apostles to do. And then we're going to actually, I'm actually going to summarize that with this acrostic with the word blessed. Now, let me start off by pointing out that it's not really our job. It's not your job or my job to convert anyone. That job is already taken by the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who can actually convert someone. Our job is not to convert, but to bless. God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that he was going to bless Abram, who his name was later changed to Abraham. He will bless him and make him a blessing to others. And we are now, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are children by faith of Abraham. <clears throat> So we too are blessed and God wants to use us to be a blessing. So right on the outset of these, you know, comments I'm going to make, just take a deep breath and relax. It's not your job to convert anyone. It's just our privilege to bless people. So I want to unpack this acrostic with the word bless. First of all, B stands for begin with prayer. L stands for listen. E stands for Eat. S stands for serve, and then the other S stands for story. Share your story, your story. So let's just break it down. First of all, B starts says begin with prayer. That's how the whole thing starts. Effective evangelism begins with prayer. We see that in the book of Acts. We see, I think, the most important verse in the book of Acts. I think is Acts chapter one verse fourteen, where 120 of them are gathered together in the upper room praying. They're praying. It's a 10-day prayer meeting, and the Holy Spirit actually uh, interrupts it at the 10th day and pours out the Holy Spirit. is poured out on all of them, so they have prayer. It's where it starts, and then we see in Acts chapter 2, power. That's the day of Pentecost. And then we get to Acts chapter 3, uh, end of Acts chapter 2, actually. In Acts chapter 3, we see that power is then results in ministry. 3,000 people get saved. Then we get to Acts chapter 4, and then there is opposition. There's the first persecution of the church. Satan tries to intimidate them to back off. But they don't get, you know, dejected or frustrated or discouraged or fall into self-pity and feel like quitting. When the opposition hits, they go back to prayer. So they back into prayer meeting and end of Acts chapter 4. What happens? God pours out more power, Holy Spirit power. The whole building shakes. What happens after that? More ministry. What happens after that? Acts chapter 5, we have more persecution. What do they do? They get discouraged and quit? No, they go back to prayer. They learn this pattern, which, by the way, is the normative pattern of the Christian who's doing it right. Prayer will result in power. Power will result in ministry. Ministry will result in opposition. Don't be surprised by it. Expect it. Don't be discouraged by it. Go back to praying. Go back to a prayer meeting. What happens? God pours out more power. There will be more ministry. What should happen next? There's going to be more opposition. That is the cycle of the book of Acts. We see it over and over. It's normal for us to be successful in ministry and have opposition. But those who know that pattern aren't discouraged to go back to prayer. I'm telling you all that to say this that one of the things I think that keeps followers from becoming fishers, fishers of men and women, boys and girls, is that they have some opposition, they get discouraged and they quit. So we begin with prayer and we continue with prayer. This cycle is the cycle of being able to continue because opposition will happen. Keep going back to prayer for more power, for more successful ministry, but expect more opposition. So begin with prayer, continue with prayer. Look at this, Colossians 4, starting in verse 2. Says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well. This is Paul the Apostle talking about his apostolic band. Pray for us as well that God may open up to us a door for the word. Pray that we have some open doors so we can be fishing, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, in order that I may. Make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. So we begin with prayer. We continue with prayer. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for them by name. Pray for your classmates. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for these, your unsaved relatives. Pray for them. Pray for opportunity, for those open doors of opportunity. Pray for wisdom. Pray for seasoned speech, that you might be a blessing. So if you're going to be a follower who really is a fisher and continues to fish, then you're going to have to begin with prayer and continue with prayer. So B stands for prayer. What next? L stands for listen. Listen. James 119 says, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak. Every believer, now be quick to listen, slow to speak. We do not gain knowledge and wisdom about people by talking. We get it by listening. Tracy and I told our kids oftentimes growing up, you can't learn anything while you're talking. So we need to listen to our neighbors, listen to our coworkers and classmates, ask them questions, listen to their story, try to understand what they've come through, why they are where they are, Listen. Learn about their needs, learn about their hurts, learn about their interests, listen. See, engaging in meaningful conversation will be more productive than simply broadcasting your message. And remember also, it's hard to stick your foot in your mouth when it's closed. So listen, listen and learn the situation about your neighbor. Not only will listening to them enable you to understand more clearly how to minister to them, but by listening to them, you will also show them you value them. So begin with prayer and continue with prayer. L stands for listen, E stands for eat. Over and over in the gospels, we find Jesus with tax collectors and sinners doing what? Eating, they're eating. There's something about a shared meal that moves relationships past being just simply acquaintances to becoming friends. There is trust that is built. Across the world, I think, few things symbolize togetherness like coming together around a meal. And by the way, and it's not just about the food, it's about a time for storytelling. It's a time when you sit back. We tend in this country to, you know, kind of just eat and be done with it a lot of times. But if you ever travel the world, you find out that most cultures, They just eat slow, and they sit back, and they tell stories. So it's a time to get to really hear stories and hear the hopes and fears, hear the disappointments, hear the struggles. I mean, eating together is a powerful time. So begin with prayer. Listen. Eat. Invite your neighbors to eat. Take your co-worker to lunch. Eat together. For the fourth one, this S here stands for serve. Serve. Matthew twelve twenty nine, I want you to see something that Jesus says that is really going to be revolutionary, hopefully, for all of us, and how we can be effective in impacting the lives of others. Matthew twelve twenty nine, here's what Jesus says. How can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. Now, the strong man that Jesus is talking about here is the devil. And the property that the devil holds captive are those who do not yet know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. So, Jesus is saying that the devil holds people captive, he holds them in bondage. And he actually blinds them of the truth. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Look at this. He says, in whose case the God of this world, that's a reference to the devil actually, the God of this world system, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. So Jesus is saying that if you're going to carry off the strong man's property, he's talking about the devil holding in bondage lost people, if you're going to carry them off, if they're going to be set free from that captivity, then we have to first bind the strong man. So if we're going to have successful ministry of seeing lost people saved, then we've got to bind the strong man and see them they're released and see their eyes opened so they can see the glorious gospel and understand it. So if that's, if that's what we need to do, if we're going to have if we're going to be followers who are fishers, then how do we do it? If we have to bind a strong man before we can plunder his house, how do we do it? Now, some of you would probably say, well, we start with prayer. We pray you know, prayers that affect spiritual warfare and outcomes. And I'd say exactly right. It starts with prayer, begin with prayer. That's why we begin with prayer. Now, some of you would say, yeah, and also you just say, I bind you, devil. And I would say, well, that sounds good. The problem with that is we never see Jesus or the apostles saying that. We never, say, we never see Jesus or the apostles binding the, the devil by just saying, I bind you. What is the biblical way to bind a strong man and plunder his house? See, just to say, I bind you, devil, is a little bit like me going home today and going out to my driveway and saying to my truck, be washed. <laughs> that truck is not going to be washed unless I wash it. And the, and the strongman will not be bound unless you bind him. Just saying it will not do it. So how do you bind him? Well, Jesus tells us how. Jesus sent 70 of his disciples out on a mission in Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at that mission because he sends them out on a mission to bind a strong man and plunder his house in several villages. Now, before we actually look at the mission, I want you to see how it ends, how the mission ends. Luke 10, verse 17 and 18 says this, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So the 70 come back from their mission, all excited. Why? Because they were able to bind the strong man in each village and plunder his house. And Jesus says that while they were doing what he sent them to do, we're going to see that in a minute, what he sent them to do, that while they were doing that in each village, Jesus says, I watched Satan himself fall from his position of power and control over those villages as you were doing what I called, sent you to do. I mean, get a load of that. Jesus, I mean, this is, he's, that's what he's talking about. I watched. You guys are excited about what just happened? I watched it. And I watched. When you did what I sent you to do, I watched Satan lose his position of power over that village so you could plunder his house. Okay? They did the strategy Jesus sent them to do, and It worked and they're excited about it. So what is that strategy? Well, we're going to jump into that strategy now because Jesus sent about two by two to these villages. And I want to jump into some key things he told them to do, starting in Luke 10, verse 5. He says, whatever house you enter, as they go into these villages, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. They are to pronounce a blessing. Verse 6, if a man of peace is there, Peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those who in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. All right, let's break it down because this is awesome strategy here. Jesus says, okay, go in and pronounce a blessing on whatever house you go into. other words, indiscriminate blessing. And let God determine whether or not the blessing sticks. You don't decide whether or not they're worthy of blessing. You just indiscriminately bless whatever house you go into. Simple acts of kindness done with great love play an important role in binding the strong man. And we've seen that happen hundreds of times in the last 30 plus years of Grace Community Church where we have done many times what something we call, call servant evangelism, kindness evangelism, where I can tell you stories. I can tell you stories from here till it gets dark tonight of lives that have been changed by someone who simply, and we've done this, where someone simply on the corner or UTA or whatever we say, hey, hey it's hot. We're saying, here's a free bottle of water we just want you to know God loves you today. No strings attached. God bless you. And they walk away looking at the water bottle. This happens to have Grace Me Church on it. And we're just, we just want to bless you. We've done that with Cokes and, and, and soft drinks. We had a young man one time come back to our office after we, we, just, we saw him over at uh, one of the high schools and said, we just want you to know God loves you. Here's free Cokes. We're getting our free Cokes. Just want you to know God loves you. Indiscriminate blessing. This young man came back. Next day, he wanted to talk about spiritual things. He's now in full-time youth ministry as a youth pastor. <clears throat> There's a lady right now in full-time ministry too, and, and her story is simply this. She was at a laundromat. She's about, about to put the quarters in the, in the machine, and one of our people beat her to it and reached out and put the quarters in the machine and says, I want to buy your wash today because I just want you to know God loves you. Indiscriminate blessing. That ended up leading this woman to Christ, and now she's in full-time ministry. We have hundreds of these stories. This is key to binding the strong man is we indiscriminately bless. Okay, again, Abraham, remember, God chose Abraham and blessed him and said, you will be a blessing. We're children of Abraham by faith. We have been blessed and now we are to be a blessing. And so we do that. We indiscriminately bless. That's key to binding the strong man. So we pray, we bless. We don't stop there. Verse seven, Jesus, stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you. For the laborers worthy of his wages do not keep moving from house to house. Now we see that he wants them to stay in one house. Why? What's going to happen if you stay in one house? You're going to get to know the people of that house. There's going to be an opportunity for a relationship, for trust to be built. And by the way, loving relationships also aid in binding the strong man. Why? Because love never fails. So as we are in our loving relationships, it is a powerful thing and binding the strong men. But Jesus doesn't stop. He says this, Luke 10, 9, and heal those in it who are sick. All right, so now we're finding out the needs of the people that you are actually listening to, you're eating with. You find out and you ask them simply this question, how can I pray for you? It's amazing what people will divulge to you when you ask that question. I've had people break into tears right after I asked the question, how can I pray for you? And they just break down in tears and tell me what the most painful thing they're going through right then. How can I pray for you? But let's give God a chance to show his power. I mean, I think a lot of Christians were afraid to put God on the spot. God can take care of being on the spot. Just ask people how to pray for them and just pray for them. I just pray out loud right then for people. Just pray for them and give God a chance to show them his power. You'll be surprised how many times God's going to answer that prayer. And they're going to be amazed by it. And they're going to, and that's again, the power of God is one of those, another element of binding the strong man, is his power being released. The Apostle Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5, about his ministry. He says that my message, my preaching, were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So the release of God's power also binds the strong man. were able to carry away his property. I think it also authenticates us as his messengers. Power makes a difference. God give, so let's give God a chance to show his power. And then Jesus says this, Luke 10, 9, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you or the kingdom of God is available to you. This now is an invitation to them that they can enter the kingdom of God. They can come up underneath the rule of the good King Jesus. It's an invitation, but how do you do that? Today, I'm not asking you to become part of a 12-week evangelistic training program. All I want you to do today is know that you can have a great impact by simply telling your story. That's, the, that's this next S, the fifth letter in the acrostic of the word, blessed. tell your story. You have a story. There's tremendous power in telling someone your story. Just tell people what Jesus has done for you. That's, I mean That's the essence of being a witness for Christ. Tell others what he's done for you. Just tell your story. There's so much power in simply telling your story. And I believe the average Christian can be so effective at being a fisher of men and women, boys and girls by simply telling their story, telling their personal testimony. You know, so many don't engage in these kind of conversations, spiritual conversations, because so many Christians are afraid they're going to be asked a question they don't know the answer to. Just tell your story. Tell people what Jesus did for you. There's power in that. After becoming a follower of Jesus as a college student, I was, I, was, I was like constantly preaching to all my family members you know, all my coworkers and students and so forth. And I, just, and I remember going to my parents, constantly talking to my parents. Every time I, I went home to see them from college, I was, talking, I was preaching to them. And after a year, I didn't really have much of an impact. But one of my classmates, she saw my mother in the store, and she, she, she just started telling my mother what Jesus has done for her. And my mother came home and was talking about how, how, it, how that impacted her life and I'm like, "What? I've been preaching to you for a year." But there's power in telling your story. And she told her story and it was in a dramatically impacted and opened up my mother's heart for further conversation. Now, we actually have a biblical example of the power of a personal testimony in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember Jesus meets this woman at the well? And he has, engages her in a conversation, a conversation. And it impacted her very powerfully. And after that, she went back to her town and told her story. She wasn't trained in evangelism. She wasn't trained in apologetics. She had a story to tell. John chapter 4, verse 28 says this, Then leaving her water jar, she left it right there at the well, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She's just telling about her encounter she's had with Christ. She's telling her story. And the result of that is what? Well, John 4, 39, let's see. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, because she told her story. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two more days and more, many more believed because of his word. So the seed was sown by this woman. God, I mean, she told her story. And when she did that, she planted a seed in the hearts of these Samaritan people she talked to. And what did God do? God caused the seed to grow. You know, there's so much power in personal testimony. When we tell somebody our story, we're planting a seed. And then when we go away, even when we're sleeping at night and we've already forgot about it, God's causing that seed to grow. This is what Jesus says, Mark 4, 26, look at this. And he, Jesus, was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How he does not himself not know, the soil produces crops by itself, First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. So Jesus says something grows. What grows? The seed. The seed grows. Now, when does that growth take place? Jesus says, well, it takes place even at night when the person who planted the seed is sleeping and has forgot about it. God is making it grow. There's power in telling your story. You're planting a seed by just telling people your story what Jesus has done for you. And every one of you that knows Christ has a story and tell your story. So even when you're off doing something else and maybe even sleeping, God's going to cause that seed you just planted to grow. This is a really encouraging thing for all of us. Just simple acrostic of bless. Begin with prayer. Start praying for your neighbors. Pray for your classmates, your coworkers. Just pray for them. And then listen Listen to them. Don't just think about broadcasting your message to them. Listen to them. And then eat with them and tell stories and hear their story. And then look for ways to serve them. And then share your story. Jonathan, I'll make your way up here if you would. I, I want you guys to understand something else about this, this blessing acrostic and this book and this, it's got a website. It's got an app. An app comes with this, and when I saw this app, I thought, "This is slam dunk—the best thing I've ever seen on followers becoming fishers, the best thing I've ever seen." And and now, Johnson, can tell you about using this app, and then we'll close in prayer. So, John, come on up.
2: Good morning, Grace. I've been using this thing for about three months now, and it really has changed in a huge way, my neighborhood and my interactions with my neighbors. So first, I want to share with you how to get access to the website and the app, and then I want to share with you how it's helpful. So first, I hope you got one of these cards coming in that says, Bless Every Home, on the top of it. If you have one of those, go ahead and pull it out now. If you go to gracearlington.com slash bless, you're going to see this picture we're going to put on the screen, and all you have to do is go to that website. And click the sign up button. You're going to click that sign up button right in the middle of the page. It's going to take you to the Bless Every Home website. And it's going to take you to uh, another sign up button. So you hit sign up on the next website as well. That big sign up button right there. And then it's going to ask you for a little information. It's going to ask for your name. It's going to ask for your email address. It does need you can, it does need for you to create a password. If you don't have a password manager, get one today. But just a simple sign-up process. They're going to send you an email. And then when they send that email, it will already know because you went through our button that you're part of Grace Community Church. And then you're in. And then you're a part of the website. And what it's designed to do, I remember I was here a few years ago and Pastor Steve preached a sermon where he said, you know, God has called us to love our neighbor. And it has to be part of loving our neighbor to know our neighbor's name. Like, it's hard to love someone you don't even know their name. So he said, I want you to write out all your neighbor's names. And I started writing, I was like, guy with the blue truck, guy who walks the golden retriever. And I realize I do not know my neighbors' names and their stories nearly as much as God would like me to. So God has really called me to know their names. And so this app helps that. If you go to the next thing, once you log in the website, you'll see your neighborhood. Now, if you want to shrink that neighborhood, I decided to stretch mine pretty big. I've got a whole 180 homes that are part of my little HOA neighborhood in there. You could shrink that, grow that, whatever size you consider your neighbor's. And you're going to see all these people. So across from my street, I've got Kelly and Amy. And I've gotten to know them more recently. And I've gotten to pray for them. I've been in their home. And they've been in my home. Um, I don't really know their spiritual story yet. I'm looking forward to hearing that at a certain point. I've not really gotten a chance to serve them yet. If I had served them in some way, I would have clicked that care button and kind of track praying, caring. And then if I've gotten, I haven't gotten a chance to share my story with them either. So if I share my story, I click share there. And you can kind of track as you go, as you start to pray for your neighbors and look for opportunities to get into their lives. I've got another neighbor of mine who lives next door to me that I've done more of these things with. Bob lives next door. Bob and Judy, I love having them as neighbors. They're wonderful people. Recently, Bob had some health issues. And we were praying, and God ended up saving his life. But during that time, he needed some helpless stuff. And so I was able not only to pray for him, I was able to care for him and show him, man, I want to help out with some backyard stuff, help out with some simple things. Um, I've been over at his home multiple times. He's been in my home. I know that he is following Jesus. And so he's all the way over on the disciple side. And my hope is that as I continue to pray for our neighbors and learn their names and look for opportunities to just to talk with them, to listen with them, maybe to eat with them. One of my neighbors invite me to barbecue soon. I'm like, I'm all in for that. Um, that I will get to experience a lot of what Gary preached about today. Another thing the app does that's just fantastic is every day it sends me a daily prayer, and it sends me the names of five of my neighbors. And so I can tell it any time of day. I want that to arrive. I can tell it by email, push notification, all the things. So today, my neighbors I'm praying for are Bob and Deborah, John and Mail, Sharon and Kay, Millie and Melvin, and Richard and Michelle. and It tells me where their houses are. And the verse it gave me for today is 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And it even suggests a prayer for me. It says, I pray my neighbors aren't burdened down and that they grow to trust God and to learn to cast their cares on him. So I pray that prayer for my neighbors. I hit prayed for all. All of them just turned red in the app. And I'm like, Lord, I want to see you answer these prayers in my neighborhood over the next year and become a better fisherman. So I hope you take advantage of that today. Go to that website, graceon.com bless and sign up and let me know how it goes for you. I want the code to the what? The what? Oh yeah. So at the bottom of your card, um, if you're looking for the app, we have QR codes at the bottom of the card. But if you go to the app store and search for Bless Every Home on Android or iPhone, it'll be there as well. But there are QR codes you can use to install the app as well.
0: Thanks, John. Yeah. Let's all stand together. We're going to close in prayer. I just want to say before we close that as simple as this is to do, the only thing that would keep any of us from doing it is just not having a desire to do it. And remember, this is where being filled with the Holy Spirit is so important because being filled with the Holy Spirit not only gives us the power to do it, but the desire to be involved. And so let's kind of close and praying about that. So that God will move us all in a place where there's a desire to actually do this, because the way is simple. God, to make our hearts be hearts that want to do this. So let's pray. Father, we just uh, many of us would just confess that we have been somewhat lethargic and uncaring and apathetic and self focused. And just forgive us, Lord. We just confess it as sin. We forgive us and cleanse us from all the self centeredness just wanting to live a comfortable life, just wanting to run after pleasure. and So Lord, forgive us. And we ask you, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you embolden us with a passion for seeing our neighbors and classmates and friends and family really come to know you, Jesus? And thank you for just a simple way that you really model, Lord. Uh, the authors of the book, Lord, they they kind of captured it in some some language that's helpful. But Lord Jesus, you modeled it and you sent out disciples to do it. So Lord, that we would just really be those who do pray, begin with prayer and listen and get involved and eat with them and serve them, Lord, and share our story. So Lord, we do pray that we would be followers or fishers, so would you help us do that in the name of Jesus. And before we dismiss, I just want to say that if you are here for the first time, then I would love to meet you over here in this welcome area. Also, we have this connection corner back here where staff answer any questions you have. If you have any prayer needs, we have some leaders up here. I'd be glad to pray for you. God bless you, and as you go, remember, you're going to be a blessing this week. So bless you and be a blessing in Jesus' name. You're dismissed.